This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Holocron Histories, Star Wars canon versus legends. We're going to take a deep dive into the lore of the Star Wars universe. Hello and welcome to the Holocron Histories podcast. You know, we were talking about, I almost said the Assassin's Creed podcast, and I don't even intro that one. So that's where my brain's at today. Um, but I am your host, Austin, otherwise known as Teacup. I am one of your co-hosts for this podcast. And I am the other co-host, Ben of Tamaria. It, yeah, yeah, and so... Uh, so we are talking about a new topic today uh you know it talks about all of my podcasts are kind of entering new seasons of their conversation so that makes it fun but today we are moving away from our factions of the galaxies our governments of the galaxies to something that is probably my second favorite part of star wars after the lightsabers yes we are going to go over starships now and obviously the one we have to start with has to be the star, star destroyer or no, or the venator class starships because uh, that's what they are from the clone wars i mean it's the most iconic ship next to like the x-wing and the tie fighter yeah i mean it's one of the first so we see the tantive four and the um oh it's like it's not the executor. It's like the Executrix or something like that. Tarkin. It's uh, yeah, it's Tarkin's. Yeah, and so it's the second ship we see in the entirety of Star Wars. If you're starting from release order, yeah. And I remember sitting. My dad sitting me down to watch this movie when I was four years old, and I see that little spaceship fly by, and then it's just like a solid like twenty seconds of the Star Destroyer coming across too and i just remember with my eyes wide like what is that yeah you see yeah you see the uh oh god i just you just said the name it just escaped my mind uh the tana four tana four yes it's a corvette? i forget the class it's is it a corvette yeah, it's a, it is a corvette like cruiser mm-hmm. it's a class of vehicle it is and you first see that and then literally like a couple of seconds later, you see this massive ship, and I was like, "Uh, uh, can that little thing get outrun <laughs> the giant one?" Um, obviously not, because uh, doesn't end well for the Tana Four. No, but, <laughs> but yeah, let's let's get into it. Uh, obviously, we always start with legends, so um. We are going to go with the early designs of the uh, Star Destroyer slash Venator class. So they are used wedge, uh, their wedge-shaped uh, warships seem to be an ancient trend dating far back to four millennia before the rise of the Galactic Empire. The design was not limited to any one culture, but been observed frequently in both Galactic Republic and Sith Empire natives, navies. Yeah, yeah, and I'm when reading that, I'm thinking about like so. There are so many different types of, like, ships we see um, 
And they all kind of have that like wedge shape to them, Mm -hmm. which makes sense because when you think about like aircrafts, they're typically kind of to a point to make them aerodynamic. So they cut through the air. And it always helps also with being wedge shaped to where they can ram other vessels or even like being in Star Wars, go through an asteroid field and stuff like that to where it's not destroying the entire hall where it hits one point and just like bounces off kind of a thing. And even the whole point of, like, if you're a fan of KOTOR, you even watched uh, Rebels and Rogue One, the Hammerhead-class cruisers, mm-hmm. are that that's the same thing. And watching mm-hmm. in Rogue One, when they take down the Star Destroyer by ramming the Hammerheads into the wings of the Star Destroyer, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and that's another ship we'll have to go into is the Hammerhead, because not only are they, we see them in the current canon, we see them plenty of times in the uh, Legends. And if you ever mm-hmm. play KOTOR 1 and 2, they're the main uh, warship that the Republic uses, actually. Yeah, and definitely. And I believe the Ravager, Nihilus's flagship, mm-hmm. is a wedge-shaped kind of Star Destroyer shape. Uh, the other Sith fleet in at least the KOTOR games, I'm not, I can't really remember what they look like in the Old Republic MMO, but they're kind of closer akin to, um, the banking clan ships from the Separatists. Yes. That's the big ones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. But funny enough that you say about the Ravenger, we're actually going to about to be talking about that one. (laughs) All right. Uh, so... Uh, during the Mandalorian Wars, 3,963 years before the Battle of Yavin, a Venator-like warship was used by the fleets of the Mandalorian Neo-Crusaders during this, uh, the same conflict. The wedge-shaped Interdictor-class cruiser and the Centurion-class battlecruiser were employed by the Galactic Republic and later served in the Navy of the Sith Empire, established by Darth Revan. Examples of these ships include the Leviathan and the Ravenger. Yeah. Gotta love the Ravenger. Don't end up well in their stories. No, not at all. Uh, The first design, explicitly referred as a Star Destroyer, was the horror-class dreadnought of the resurgent Sith Empire. This design uh, originated with Grand Moff or D. Valken, as part of the empires uh, built up in the 1300 years that preceded the Great Galactic War. These ships eventually fought in this 28-year-long conflict against the Republic. And as I've said previously in other episodes, the Great Galactic War is the war during the Old Republic MMO. And yes, it took almost 30 years. So, I mean, all the wars we see in the films are roughly three maybe five years long if that where when you talk about legends a lot of the conflicts are a lot longer Mm -hmm. well you could look at the rebellion so it all depends on when you classify like the start of the rebellion is the start of the rebellion scarif is in previous canon the start of like the official start of the rebellion was Yavin. True. Uh, which True. they're really close to each other. Scarif and Yavin are really close to each other in mm. time. But I would argue that 
the rebellion really, especially in the main canon, starts way before, like a decade before either of those conflicts. That's true. I mean, we, I see, mean, we, we see, see that in Rebels. Yep. I was about to say. We see, heck, we kind of start seeing it in Obi-Wan. Right. Which is um, even before and, Rebels. Yeah, and you could, ar- I would probably argue that, like, the end of, like, season two of Rebels would probably, is where I would probably say the start of the Rebellion. Because that's yeah. when they start kind of, like, forming to, like... That's when, groups. like, the small cells that knew nothing about each other started, you know, forming a, hey, we're an actual big group. Now we're going to go do stuff all together. Right. And that's when, like, Thrawn comes in and they stop tracing, like, the ghost crew mm. and start, like, chasing the actual, like, rebellion. So I think that's where I would say the start of the rebellion. So if you consider that, it's probably... It's probably, like, a close 50, 10 years. 15 I was going to say it's probably be around a decade because... And I know Twins this is off topic. They're nineteen. They're nineteen in a new hope. Yes. So this right? is uh, yeah. and Rebels takes place five years prior to a new hope. Mm-hmm. So. So yeah, that'd be yeah, ten years because it's be almost a decade. Five to something, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then we get to the Clone Wars developments. Star destroyers that bore the distinctive wedge shaped, which came in association with the ship type were in the service of the later Republic Navy around the time of the Clone Wars. The two most famous designs at the time were the Victory One uh, and Venator classes, which uh, were considered massive. Other Republic Star Destroyers like the Imperator and the Tector classes became infamous in their service in the Imperial Navy. So uh, if I'm not mistaken, like, so we look into Star Wars Rebels, for example the small looking um smaller version looking star destroyers we see that aren't the star destroyers i believe are the imperator class i believe i could be wrong on that starships isn't my full forte there's too many of them i'm having trouble actually seeing the difference between (laughs) the two so in their pictures at least so that's fair so um and then the new distorted story designs were born from the success of the acclimator class assault ship in addition then supreme chancellor of the republic and future galactic emperor palpatine mentioned in a sith uh the book of the sith the star destroyers developed during this time, were also shared similarities with the horror class Dreadnought, which was used by the Sith Empire. Which, I mean, is a no, no-brainer no for a Sith to reuse, you know, Sith tech or Sith designs when they haven't been used in, like, thousands of years. That's a good edge in battle. I, it makes me interesting because it makes me wonder, like, how much influence, like, Palpatine had in the design of the clone army because I always assumed that like the Venator class and the Victory class were Kaminoan in design. Ooh, that is a good. Hmm. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he had some sort of input in like, the background. I mean, we all know wasn't. It... Miss, 
correct me if I'm wrong, was it Dooku who um, impersonated Sifo-Dyas to create the clone army? Yes. And okay. then when the contract for the Republic comes on with the clones, and we'll talk about this in some later episode probably, but so obviously we know from the Clone Wars that Shakti becomes like the overseer of like the facilities of the Jedi representative to the Kaminoans. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's revealed in the Clone Wars that the Prime Minister has very, very like close conversations with Sidious and um, Dooku. Mm-hmm. So I, it would be interesting to me. I mean, part of it is just like George Lucas being like, hey, look, these become these. And Star Wars is like poetry. It rhymes. Like, But I'd be curious if there's an actual explanation. Right. Yeah. So now we get to the Imperial and New Republic usage. Uh, during the time of the Empire, many smaller and less independent dagger-shaped ships such as the Immobilizer 418 Cruiser and the Broadside Class Cruiser, were often compared to uh, two small Star Destroyers without being classified one themselves. In the Broadside's case, it was downgraded from a Star Destroyer to Cruiser due to its lack of defensive power and mobility, and a large part because of the Star Destroyer's uh, capabilities. Mon Matha, the leader of the Rebel Alliance, noted, noted that if the Empire fragmented after Endor, it would pose a risk for any of the any Imperial commanders with access to Star Destroyer becoming a warlord. Which they do. It, they do. <laughs> they they became warlords. I mean, I think we talked about that on an earlier episode. Uh, yeah, the fragmented Empire became warlords. I mean, so the yeah the immobilizer star destroyer, the immobilizer cruiser. That's the ones that you see in Rebels that are pulling ships out of hyperspace. Okay. Yeah, with the big like circular thing, like spheres mm-hmm. on them, and they pull. They use gravity to pull ships out of hyperspace, which is terrifying. Yes. Oh, without a um, doubt. Right, which like you know if you if you hyperspace is extremely fast and just to pull anything out of hyperspace alone is terrifying right like i'm pretty sure that it is faster than the ftl speeds that is used in the mass effect series even though they're kind of similar yes yeah if i think about it i think yes i believe that is correct so it's just ridiculous so, Another list. Yeah. How hyperspace works. Oh crap. That's a whole <laughs> that's gonna be a whole process. How hyperspace works. Mmm. I don't know. Magic space waves. Yes. There we go. The, the, the solution granted. Magic space whales. That's basically what it is. <laughs> so while uh, Star Destroyers served as the heaviest combatants and many fleets composed of frigates and downscaled cruisers, they performed an escort role when uh, in the presence of specialized battleships found in the Republic Navy or the larger Imperial warships such as the Executor Class 
Both the Republic and the Empire maintained a higher tier system of vessels, heavier and more powerful than Star Destroyers, categorized from battle cruisers to super or to star dreadnoughts. Star dreadnoughts are also terrifying. And then, uh, building on the popularity of star destroyers gained in the Clone Wars, uh, and the name of the super class star destroyer, many of these heavy vessels were referred in the military. I don't even know how to say this word. Colloquialism. It's colloquial. Like some, you say something colloquial. No, I can't say it. Uh, (laughs) But as a super, they they were for the military. A lot of the military personnel uh, referred them to super star destroyers. Um, The Imperial Navy had around twenty five thousand ISDs alone throughout its existence. And ASD is Imperial Star Destroyer, if I recall. Correct. So they had Um, 25,000 Star Destroyers ready to mobilize. Right. Um, And the Super Star Destroyers, that's the Executor. Yes. Which is Vader's flagship. That really big one that we see in Empire Mm -hmm. and later in Return of the Jedi. Which is about five times larger? It's pretty big. Like I'm pretty sure you can land a star. A regular, oh yeah, you can land a star regular destroyer. star destroyer on it or within it or one of the two. It's massive. That that's mm-hmm. yeah. Um, of course, the, Anakin would make the biggest ship. Like that just ah yeah. his personality. <laughs> I have to have the biggest ship. <laughs> I still love, and this is off topic, kind of. Um, the they did a Lego. Uh, one of the Lego shorts they did for Star Wars, where like these random pilots come in on a Star Destroyer, and like they were freaking out about they saw uh, this one ship, and uh, Vader's like, "What? Like, what made you like board us? And why are you trying to run away?" And it's like, "What's more important?" And he looks, and it's like that, and he points to a uh, and. and one uh, Naboo starfighter and Vader just freaks out and goes all nerd on like on this on the starship. That's like, of course he does. I'm I'm not I'm sure he does something like I blew up a droid ship in that ship. But right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the New Republic also used the dagger shape in their later Star Destroyer designs. However, not all the vessels known as Star Destroyers adhere to the dagger shape. Uh, aesthetic. Notable Star Destroyer manufacturers through the ages include Coat Drive Yards, Rendell Star Drive, and the Republic Engineering Co-op, uh, Corporation. So, they have some manufacturers. Yeah. Or they See, probably always... good manufacturers? I don't know. Yeah. So the Republic, or the New Republic, actually does end up using Star Destroyers in mm-hmm. some kind of form. I thought they... The rebellion sti- stick to like Corvette style ships and the Moncala class of ship. They do. Um, I think they mainly used them as like when they need to go into heavy battle. But I know the Republic mm-hmm. itself. I mean, you see this in the films, and you see, you see obviously we see in Legends. They prefer ships with more mobility over power, and obviously. There's a reason why, because they kind of won the war. 
with that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you have already, like, built Star Destroyers, and why not use them? I mean, it's kind of like ships going to waste. I guess that's true. Um, Gotta use what you got yeah. until you, like, uh-huh. bring the galaxy back together. I guess that's true. So, and then we get later iterations, even though uh, even though the Galactic Alliance continues and produce Star Destroyers, they later decide to name their new ships Battle Carriers in order to avoid reminding people of the old Imperial Terror symbols. By the time of the Sith Imperial War, the Resurgent Empire utilized a Pelion-class Star Destroyer, which was most described as one of the largest and most powerful warships of its time, with unparalleled weapon systems. And then the Sith Empire, led by Darth Krayt, later constructed the much bigger and heavier-armed Imperius-class Star Destroyer, the Imperius, which was stolen by the Galactic Alliance Regiment, led by Gar uh, Stizy, when it became operational. So Darth Krayt built this giant death machine of a warship, and then it gets stolen right from under him, right when it goes live. <laughs> Let's, uh, you know, the Sith really do have just, like, this fatal flaw of, I need to build the biggest thing I can, and then tote it around and show it off. Yep, and then what happens? It either gets blown up, or gets stolen. Huh. And then, um, but yeah, so, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, just that, uh, the Paleon is General, or Admiral, uh, Paleon, or whatever. He was the, one of the Imperial defectors to the Rebellion. Mm. At one point or something, or from the Remnant to the New Republic. Oh, okay. But, yeah. You yeah. can find him in a lot of the Legends books. It's mainly, this is after, obviously, after Luke and Leia's time, if I'm correct, right? Or is um, it during? The, about the Pelion class, him, he's during Luke and Leia's time. Oh, okay. Um, he dies probably about 30 to 40 years after Return of the Jedi. Okay. Yeah, he's actually assassinated, but it's a whole big thing. But go no. figure. <laughs> but yeah, that's what we got in Legends for the the Star Destroyers and Ventinators. So ready to take a mid break. Always. Hello and welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about all things that have to do with the podcast, but not necessarily the lore of Star Wars. Uh, it is this time that I will thank our patrons for coming on and being great patrons and supporting us. We had a great patron chat last week and it was a lot of fun. It was. Um, it was a lot of fun going over different fights and all yeah. that. And so if you want to join us on that, you can find the link in the episode description or at Patreon slash Holocron Histories or whatever 
the website is and you can mm-hmm. sign up to various tiers there whether that's five the lowest one which gets you ad free episodes or all the way up to some of our higher ones which include coming up on the show and hanging out with us once a month which is a lot of fun and so you can do that and we love that um i don't i think we're up to date on all our patrons yes okay um and then another way to support us is to leave us reviews on Apple or Spotify. This is a great way to boost the show and get let people know that you really like the show and appreciate the show. And so you can do that on Apple or Spotify. If on Apple you leave us five stars and some words, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. And we do not have a review to read today. So that's... I think that's all I got. Oh. And... You can join us on the Cups Podcasting and More Discord. We hang out there and talk about all kinds of podcasting stuff. Or you can join us on the Robots Radio Discord, where you can find all kinds of amazing podcasts and all that kind of fun stuff. You can find us both there under Teacup and Ben of Tamaria. And those links are in the episode description. I think that's all I got from mid-break. Got anything, Ben? Um, no. I mean, other than, um... If you want to hear more of me, uh, I was on this past episode of the Witcher Lorecast filling in for Tom because he was out on vacay. So I was on that show. Um, so if you want to listen to more of me, go to Witcher Lorecast. But other than that, I am here and always will be here. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get back into Star Destroyers. Sweet. <laughs> And we are back from the break. So now we get to go into the canon of Star Destroyers. And, oh boy. They, they, I mean, this is the main, main, uh, warship we're gonna see. So, during the Clone Wars, the Galactic Republic Navy field, uh, fielded a fleet of Venator-class Star Destroyers. The Venator-class saw action numerous battles against the Confederacy Navy, including the Battle of Coruscant. Following the transformation of the Republic into the Galactic Empire, the Republic Star Destroyers were incorporated into the new Imperial Navy. Yeah. I have a question. Sure. Can they destroy stars? Like, where does their name come from? Like, I, I, I've always wondered that because we only ever see them like ships. The closest we get is the class of star destroyers in the sequels in Rise of Skywalker that are basically portable Death Stars. That is true. I mean, if enough firepower hits a star, I would imagine. I mean, if we're talking about star destroyers, I mean, uh, just an orbital bomb, bombet from a star destroyer can level an entire cities i guess that's true and you know now we that see I think that about in terrace <laughs> yeah now that i think about it a destroyer is a class of navy battleship mm-hmm. like in our real world and so like we often hear see like star fighter is a like fighter jet that travels the star so mm-hmm. i guess that's the same kind of thing like a destroyer is much more of a slow moving heavy bombardment battleship in the navy and so a Star Destroyer is just the space version of that. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. And yeah, Destroyers are, and real life Destroyers are really cool. If you have never been on one, my brother's stationed on one. So it, it's interesting. 
Um, but yeah, they they literally just blow stuff up, and they have a lot of not, weapons. <laughs> not to be confused with droidicas, who are called destroyers once by Obi Wan in the Phantom Menace. Good point. That is true. That's completely different. <laughs> uh, aside from the Venator and the Imperial Class Star Destroyers, other known models in the Imperial Service include the Victory and the Sector Class Star Destroyers. During the Rebellion and the Galactic Civil War, Imperial Star Destroyers took part in numerous engagements against the various rebel forces that eventually um, colossified into the Alliance to restore the Republic, or, you know, the Rebel Alliance. Star Destroyers were deployed during the secret missions on Tatooine, Battle of Hoth, and the Battle of Endor. And secret mission to Tatooine? Was that the... when... I'm trying to think when that was. That's not when Obi or R2 and C3PO landed, was it? I guess that would be something. I mean, you could say that's a secret mission. I doubt that the Empire wants to broadcast that they lost the plans to their all-impressive battle station. Good point. Here's a quick... Now, now this is a little off-topic, but... Why didn't the Empire just blow up Tatooine when they knew the droids were on there? Like, why didn't they just... Uh, Wouldn't it be safer to just blow up Tatooine than like that would have solved literally movie everything? Over. Yeah, Move, movie the, over. Yeah, Empire wins. Done. Um, I mean, my only guess would be because the Huts control it. Uh, I guess that's probably true. And they just don't want any backlash from the Hut Council. Is what I would what guess. But I don't know what they would do I mean, against the Empire because it's the against, Empire, and against <laughs> the and as far as we know, that's the only copy of the Death Star plans. That's true. So if they destroyed it, there's li- I mean, they might not be able to fix the Death Star if it causes a problem because they don't have the plans. But I mean, wouldn't it have made sense just to blow up Tatooine? It would, <laughs> it would minimize the risk. They weren't thinking. I mean... It wouldn't have made... It, that's not as good as a movie. <laughs> I mean, it would have made sense for Vader just to... Alright, do an order of environment on this... On this... On this part of Tatooine specifically. Why there? Just feel, because it's sand. <laughs> and I feel like Vader would be like, Oh, you want to blow up Tatooine? Like, yeah, let's let do me, it. Can I, put, can I push the button? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, he he uh he would have jumped that on on that in a heartbeat. Oh my god. Yeah, that that is a good question. Why just, just blow a Tatooine and it, it solves the entire everything. You take out Luke, you take out Obi Wan, you take out both droids. Done. I mean, I guess that Yoda at some point probably might have known that Leia was on the Death Star, uh, and so maybe he would have sent some kind of rescue attempt. Maybe. Who knows? But, yeah. But also Han is dead now. And, uh, Chewie. and Chewie. Yeah, literally everyone that would, was going to be a thorn in the side of the Empire. Except for Leia. Yep. Leia was the only one. So, uh, following the events of Endor, the Rebel Alliance successor of government, the New Republic, captured and destroyed numerous Star Destroyers in several engagements, including the Battle of Theed, the Rebellion on... Akvia 
the battle uh, for Croat Drive Yards, and the liberation of Kashyyyk by 5 ABY, Grand Admiral Ray Sloan estimated that 75% of the Imperial Star Destroyers before Endor had either been destroyed, captured, or lost in confirmable, if curious, ways. So, compared to Legends, they are just destroying these ships, like, left and right. But now I'm curious at these lost in confirmable, if curious, ways. I wonder if there's some protocol where Palpatine had in place that those are being shipped to Exegol. Oh, I would imagine. Like, it would have been something. I mean, yeah. he, had a pl- he had a plan of taking out the entire hierarchy of the Empire when he, quote-unquote, died the first time. So I would I'd imagine he had some sort of plan that hey, they or they get like rerouted somehow. I mean, his whole plan of like Operation Cinder is basically like, well, if I can't have the galaxy, no one can. <laughs> Take them all out. <laughs> but in reality, he was still alive. Yeah. Uh, so, while thrawling through the archives of the Hall of Imperial Register on Coruscant, Sloan discovered that the remaining 25% had mysteriously disappeared and their purported destruction had been falsified. Ooh, look at that. Look at that. They were uh, taken somewhere else. Oh, I wonder where. Uh, and then later, Sloan learned that the Fleet Admiral Gallus Rex secretly commanded Imperial fleets and the Almagest, uh, the Recluses Nebula, the Quinulon Nebula, the Rolu Triangle, and the Inamortara? Inamortara. Yeah, Star Wars words can be hard. These fleets consisted of hundreds of Star Destroyers and thousands of smaller ships. So, interesting. Following the attack on uh, Trandrilla, Rax ordered the Imperial fleets to assemble above the planet Jakku. Numerous Star Destroyers, including Captain Selene Rees, Starship Inflector saw action during the Battle of Jakku, the cataclysmic battle that ended the Galactics of War in favor of the New Republic. And if you play Battlefront 2, you get to play in that battle. And yes, it is very hectic. <laughs> yes. I just, you know, I just don't know why they invented a new desert planet. Uh... I mean, space. I mean, I yeah, maybe, but like, Tatooine is right there. True, and if you actually look at the star maps, it's Jak- right there. Well, I think no, I think Jakku's in the mid rim, compared to where Tatooine's in the outer rim. There is no way Jakku is in the mid rim. No. No, that is an Outer Rim world if I've ever seen one. Oh, let me see here. Jakku is in the Inner Rim, surprisingly. <laughs> what? Jakku's in the Inner Rim? The Inner Rim? I think that's what this says. Let me just double like check. Near, near 
like the Hansian system and Coruscant and all of that. Some of these uh, star maps are not the best. Takadana, yeah, it's in the. It's not by Coruscant, so I would say it's close. It's in the. It's not in the core world, so that's where Coruscant's at. In the core worlds, but it's in the inner rim, so it's the rim outside of the core. It's actually not terribly far from Rakata Prime and Takadana. Rakata Prime is in the. Well, I guess, yeah, it is in the inner rim. Inner mm-hmm. The star map that shows it is uh, interesting. Yeah, it's. Yeah. When I saw that, when Jakku, I look, was looking at Jakku, and I was like, wait, Inner Rim? That doesn't look like the Inner Rim planet. <laughs> inner Rim what planets I, okay. are supposed to be lush. <laughs> Everyone take note at my time, 8 p.m. on August 5th. Um, I was wrong. <laughs> so, 30 years after the Battle of Jakku, the barren surface of Jakku was still littered with the wreckage of countless Star Destroyers, these direct starships were regularly targeted by scavenger, uh, scavengers such as Ray. So, you know, Force Unleashed, which we fully see. And we actually see, like, how real big, like, what the inner workings of a Star Destroyer is, besides seeing it in, like, you know, Rebels. Right, like, the Falcon flies through them. Yes. And then the First Order remnant of the Old Empire, also known to utilize Star Destroyers as part of its fleet, such as the First Order's Resurgent-class Star Destroyers, which were inspired by the dagger-shaped design of the Old Empire's vessels. So, yeah. No surprise there that they, you know, copy everything. Ahem. Then classes, we get the Star Dreadnoughts. The executive class Star Dreadnought, also known as the Super Class Star Destroyer, was the largest model of the uh, Star Destroyer ever built by the Galactic Empire. It was usually referred as a Super Star Destroyer and consisted of submodels, the Executor One Class and the Executive Two Class. Nineteen thousand meters, uh, nineteen thousand meters long, it was used as a command ship and had over five thousand turbo lasers and ion cannons. Holy crap! That's a lot of guns. And it's, it's taken down by a suicidal A-wing pilot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess he's not really suicidal because he's like hit and he flies into the command center. That's a good point. Yeah. The Mega Class Star Dreadnought, also referred as the Mega Class Star Destroyer, was the capital of the First Order and its Supreme Leader at 13,000 meters in length and the wingspan of 60,000 meters. The Mega Class was wider than it was uh, than it was longer. The sole example of the model, uh, the Supremacy, was used by Supreme Leader Snoke in the First Order Navy to attack the Resistance. So we see this ship in... Uh, Last Jedi. Yes, the Last Jedi, that movie. Um, which we see what happens to that one. Now, now, okay. Circle back to the Star Destroyer. If, like, something like the Supremacy or the Executor used the Holdo Maneuver. Ooh. See, this is the problem with the Holdo Maneuver. Like, yes, it's awesome and it's cool and it looks great, but, like, 
when you apply it to the rest of the universe. I think you could destroy the galaxy. Like, if you use the Holdo maneuver with a Star Destroyer in the core of the galaxy... He could rip through a planet. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could rip you through probably and, like, would. Just, just create a massive black hole. I mean, maybe that's how the mall was created. Who knows? Hmm. Possibly. See, I'm just coming up with all kinds of theories here. You know? <laughs> Lucasfilms, pay me to... <laughs> do things hey floaty if you're listening we have <laughs> ideas for you um so now we get to the battle cruisers uh these were multiple examples of star destroyers that were classified as battle cruisers during the galactic history the maelstrom class battle cruiser was used by the galactic republic during the clone wars was primarily uh mothballed by the galactic empire and at least one example the simon simon was used by the Alliance to restore the Republic. The Maelstrom class was considered to be a proto-Star Destroyer and was armed with assault, con- concussion missile launchers, heavy cannons, and other weaponry. The Maelstroms were used in planetary sieges, orbital bombardments, fleet command duties, and other roles. So, they bombed places. The... Sector class star destroyer, also identified as the Sector class battle cruiser, was another example of a battle cruiser in the star destroyer designed family, being multiple kilometers in length. The Sector was used uh, as a carrier and command ship by the Galactic Empire, and was possibly the largest star uh, starfighter dedicated vessel in the Imperial Navy. So, I want to say. This is the type of class Star Destroyer we see in Rebels that they took over and used as a command base. Because you could house multiple ships. Because it was a carrier. I think you're, I think you're right on that. Um, yeah. Which, I guess, you know what? Back to my other point. That is used in a Holdo maneuver. In Rebels. Holy crap, it is. Yeah, at the end of season three to make them escape. So, there we go. Dave Filoni beat us to it, man. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> the Empire's uh, successor uh, successor state, the First Order, Riley, uh, widely deployed the Resurgent-class Star Destroyer, alternately designed the as the Resurgent-class battlecruiser during the Cold War and the First Order Resistance War. The resurgent was a 2,915 feet meter lo- or 2,915 meter long warship that featured advanced weaponry and systems. And then, according to the Annex War College system, the Sith Internals Zeistun's class star destroyer, a 2,406 meters, was a battle cruiser. The Zeitun was a model of star destroyer that was based on the upscaled Imperial One. Class design. The Zeitan class possess heaven weaponry, including the axial super laser uh, cannon, which had the capability of destroying entire planets. So basically, it had to start destroy a laser on it. Oh, interesting. Why they just first order just didn't deploy more of those and so using a giant like planet weapon is beyond me they would have had a lot more done in my opinion 
you know, I think it's because Palpatine, when it comes down to it, is just a sucker for the drama. Fair point. He just wants he wants the most dramatic entrance possible. That's a good I point. mean, the man installed a spinning chair in his office so that he could turn. True. <laughs> Why did he need that spinning chair in his office and on the death? Why do you need a spinning chair on the Death Star? So he can look outside the port. And then turn around dramatically. Good point. Yep. Correct. See? See? <laughs> That's the Sith's fatal flaw, is that they live for the trauma. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's why. <laughs> so then uh, we get to cruisers. So the Republic's Acclimator-class assault ship was a 752-meter-long cruiser that was considered to be a proto-star destroyer. Its sub-variants were the Acclimator 1-class and the Acclimator 2-class, and it was used as a carrier and transport for troops and vehicles to planet services. And then you get the Venerator class, Star Destroyer, a class of cruiser, 1,137 meters in length, was also referred to as the Republic Attack Cruiser or Jedi Cruiser, that was considered a proto-Star Destroyer. It consisted of two sub-variants, the Venator 1 class and the Venator 2 class, and was extensively used by the Galactic Republic during the Clone Wars and by the early Galactic Empire. So, I mean, this is the Star Destroyer. Slash Venator, you see all the time during the Clone Wars TV show and also uh, episode three. When, like, the first sequence you see Obi Wan and Anakin come in, they're Jedi starfighters. Those Star Destroyers you see that are painted red and gray, those are Venators. And then the successor of the Venator class, the 1,600 meter long Imperial class Star Destroyer was also classified as a cruiser. The Imperial class consisted of the subvariants Imperial 1 class and Imperial 2 class and the Interdictor class. The Imperial class became symbols of the Empire's new order. The Interdictor class Star Destroyer, also known as the Interdict class Heavy Cruiser, was a class of heavy cruiser that also part of the Star Destroyer family, ships used by the Empire. <sighs> Lots of uh, same words. And then it was a 1,129 meter long and was equipped with four gravity well projectors to serve in on capacity as the integrated vector or vessel. The Onager class Star Destroyer was also classified as a cruiser class and was equipped with a super weapon that could destroy targets on the surface of a planet or entire fleets. Which I want to say the Interdictor class, since it has the gravity wells, I want to say it's kind of like... Oh, shoot. Uh, the ones that can maybe pull out of hyperspace? Right? Yeah, it's definitely those. Okay. And then another cruiser in accordance with the NX War College system, Glider Class Star Destroyer, was the smallest Star Destroyer in the Empire's arsenal at 600 meters in length. Despite its size, it was regardless heavier, heavily armed and was deployed as a patrol ship and escort. It could serve in the capacity of a flagship for a small task force and battle group. The Gladiator 1 was a submariner of the ship. 
And I want to say the gladiators might be the battle cruisers we see in Rebels as the small Star Destroyers. I want to say Ezra sees one and is like, oh, that's a Star Destroyer. And everybody looks around and is like, no, that's not a Star Destroyer. Yeah, it's just like a light cruiser kind of thing. I mm-hmm. can't remember its exact name. I'll remember when we hang up the Zoom call. I'll remember then. Uh, but <laughs> I don't true. remember now. Yeah. But uh, that's what we got in canon. All right. So in summary, Star Destroyers don't destroy stars. I should write for Lucasfilms. And at 8 o'clock, I was wrong. <laughs> I guess that's a, that's a good summary of the episode. And um, if you're all f- traveling in space, don't don't make a Star Destroyer mad. Because they blow things hey. up. Everyone gets bored at sometimes. A fair know. point. I mean... <laughs> I mean... Sometimes look- you... Sometimes you got to drop your cargo load, and even in the light of an Imperial light cruiser, and even if that means that you're going to get a bounty on your head and end up frozen in carbonite. <laughs> I love that reference as a full Han Solo reference. Because <laughs> that's exactly what he did. <laughs> anyway, yes, stay away. Uh, and also know that if you can just list slightly to the left, that's an, a maneuver that can outrun a Star Destroyer. That is true, because they don't have the greatest mobility. <laughs> yeah. or, well, or... that's all they do. <laughs> in the in A New Hope, Han goes, don't worry, I know some few maneuvers. And we, it literally just shows the... the it's the same clip, but slightly the Millennium Falcon's just going a little bit to the left. And so, in Family Guy's little spoof on that, they're like, oh, he's listing lazily to the left. This guy knows some maneuvers. <laughs> I need to rewatch those. Those are hilarious. I just love Stewie being Darth Vader, honestly. That's the best part. It really is. But anyway, I think that's it. Uh, thank you for listening to the Holocron Histories podcast. Um, next week, we are talking about another starship. I think. Yes, we are going to be talking about. I think I have it set for the X Wing. The X Wing. So, My favorite. Yeah. But, so, yeah, we'll see you next week on the Holocron Industries podcast. Thank you for listening. And may the Force be with you. Thank you for listening to Holocron Histories Star Wars Canon versus Legends. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at SWHoloHistories and contact us at HolocronHistories at gmail.com. How well do you know your video game lovers? Have you ever wondered how your video game bays stack up against all the other delectable digital dates? I'm Genesis, the girl whose motto in life is love, laugh, tequila. And on Two Girls, One Ship, we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. And I'm Vervada, the hopeless romantic cat lady and lifelong gamer. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of physical connection. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters using specific in-game dialogue and the overall narrative journey. 
So join the two girls, one ship, shipsters, and remember... Beauty is in the eye of the controller.